Okay, so I'm back. We're back. I need to take a moment to locate you where we are in the scripture and what's going on. So Karen, Karen so graciously read Ezekiel 3 today. So Ezekiel 3, if you go in your pew Bible, is right near, is, uh, is on page 730, right? So I just need you to know, just, just as a way of thinking, when you go through the Bible, you don't have to go there, but I just want you to get located a little bit about what's going on, because the scripture we have today from Revelation has a direct reference or allusion to Ezekiel 3. It has eat the scroll in it. But you don't, how many of you know who Ezekiel is and who he's talking to? Who's Ezekiel? Does anybody know who he's talking to in the Old Testament? He's just one of those Old Testament dudes that we don't pay much attention to. Is that it? Okay, so let me give you a, just a little primer on prophets, okay? So Isaiah, have you ever heard that name? Okay. Well, you've been in a room with me. You've probably heard Isaiah. Isaiah is written to the people of God who think everything we do is hunky-dory, we're all good, and he's going, it ain't so. Okay? That's kind of who Isaiah is. And matter of fact, if you follow Isaiah all the way through, you can read it as God's court case against the people that have been faithless. And then how is that fixed? Jeremiah is then next. So after Isaiah speaks and he actually says, if you don't turn around, you're going to get shipped off to a country in a foreign place because then you're going to have to, you're so caught up in idols and all that. I'm going to send you to a place that just has thousands of idols and you're going to see what useless piece it is. And Jeremiah is next in the Old Testament and he is talking right at that time and then after in Lamentations, after everybody else is deported to Babylon and Assyria, he then is, is with the people who weren't considered good enough to take. Have you ever been in that moment in your life where you wondered if you were good enough for what you're doing? That's who Jeremiah is there for. His whole ministry is to people that the, that the conquering that the conquering Babylonians said, well, we're taking all the valuable ones, we're just leaving you. Now, if you've ever heard that in your life, lamentations is kind of that moment. Ezekiel is in Babylon called to talk to the people who've been deported, who weren't doing what God said, who weren't listening, who weren't, who weren't. And then God says, come and take this scroll and eat it and then go to my people and talk to them about what's going on. That's Ezekiel. The very next thing he does right after he eats the scroll is this. He's given a measuring rod and go measure the temple, God says. Well, what's the temple in Old Testament Israel if it's not the portal or the gate to God's kingdom for his people. And when you go measure it, God's essentially saying to them, wasn't it big enough? Couldn't you have gotten in through that door? I provided this big old door, and there it was in front of you, and you never got in. How many of you have sort of met Christians, and I'm going to go over here to the door. I'm sorry if you 
for this post for those on the side here. How many of you have met a Christian or two who just sort of comes to Christ and they sort of stand in the doorway? Right? This is the kingdom of God over here, but we're just going to stand in the doorway and look around for a while. Right? They never come in. What's the door for us? It, Christ, that's correct, but, but often we get salvation and discipleship sort of separated out. And we said, well, God called us to salvation. Yes, that's the doorway. Discipleship is the kingdom. Come on in to the door. Now we're about located to talk from Revelation 10. Okay? Is everybody with me right now? What's Ezekiel doing? He's talking to people who've not listened, who've been deported, who didn't do what they were supposed to be doing, and God gives him a scroll. It's a little scroll. It's a little scroll. It's not the history of the whole world. It's the history of God's work. Eat it, it says. It's sweet in your mouth. So now, if you will, I am going to read Revelation 10. And you're going, a whole chapter? Yes, 11 verses. Okay, so... Here it is. Then I saw a mighty angel coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. What's the rainbow? Is a promise that God won't completely destroy by flood, right? Over his head, and his feet were like pillars of fire in his hand, and in his hand was a small scroll that had been opened. He stood with his right foot on the sea, And his left foot on land, crunch, right? Where can you go on earth that's not land or sea? Nowhere. So it's everywhere. And he gave a great shout like a roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the seven thunders answered. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write this down. Remember, John is there writing everything down so people will know what's going on. But he heard a voice from heaven saying, Keep a secret what the seven thunders said and don't write it down. Let me just stop and ask you a question. Have you ever read the Bible and gone, huh? I don't get it. Yeah, that's right. Everybody does that. Me too. You're just like me. You're going to read the scripture sometime and you're going to go, why can't we know that? Why don't I know that? You don't. Get used to not knowing stuff. You're on earth. It's heaven. Heaven knows stuff. Then the angel I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand toward heaven, and he swore an oath in the name of the one who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and everything in them, the earth and everything in it, and the sea and everything in it. Who's that? God. He swore an oath. There will be no more delay. When the seventh angel blows the trumpet, God's mysterious plan will be revealed, fulfilled. It will happen just as he announced it to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice from heaven spoke to me and said, Go, take the open scroll from the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the small scroll. He said, yes, take it and eat it. 
It will be sweet as honey in your mouth. We just heard that from Ezekiel, right? But when it, it will turn sour in your stomach. So I took a small scroll from the hand of the angel and I ate it and it was sweet in my mouth, but when I swallowed it, it turned sour in my stomach. And then, then I was told, you must prophesy again about my people's nations languages, and kings. Okay. Let's get into this just a little bit, okay? Um, the reason I talk to you about, about people who come to Christ, they accept Jesus into their life, but they just sort of get stuck in the doorway is they've got that scroll right in front of them and it's sweet in their mouth, but they... They don't really take it in and swallow it and put it in their mouth. They just get sort of hung up in the doorway, and they don't become disciples. They don't read the Word of God. They don't, they don't let it change us. We just sang a song called that, about God who changes us as, as His Word comes down on us, and it changes us. May your Word change us, O Lord. That's what this is. But there's some truths here that we need to know from the Scripture. So I'm going to go through this. And if at any moment you have sort of a question that's sort of helpful, like I've confused you or something, just remember that I'd rather not do that. So raise your hand and let me know, okay? The first thing is, is that angel on land and on sea, that there is nowhere on earth where you can get outside of God's plan. Nowhere. So... Are you living on earth? Then you can hear and read God's plan or get to know it. I mean, that's number one. The angel stands, his head's in the heavens, and he's got his foot in land and a foot in the sea. There's nowhere to go. He's, com- he's everywhere. That's the imagery of revelation here in this spot. Number two, where you are... And what you currently understand, let me get that picture, okay? Can you gather everything you understand up in a little basket in front of you? Where you are, right here in Colville, and what you understand is not the whole of everything going on. You do realize that there's places outside of Colville, right? <laughs> How many of you have been outside Colville and don't, this, this road just got back from China, I got this really amazing video of power lines in China from Ted, about 3,500 wires all jumbled as it crosses the road. There are places in the world that are different from here, and they understand things different, but not just places. The amount of things that you know in your life is not the sum total of what's going on. Have you ever met anybody that just knows things you don't know, and every, every time they speak, it's like, wow, I've never heard any of this stuff. I had that experience the other day. We had the VBS kids over for a campfire, and Alex, they, somebody dropped a marshmallow into the fire, and they said, why does the marshmallow burn like that? And then Alex gave the exact chemical situation about what was going on, because he has a master's in chemistry. What do I know? I have a fine arts degree. Okay? Those are different. They're disparate. But he just did that, and, and the VBS kid goes, wow, that sounds about right. 
You know, you know, I could say, well, the sugar burns and it does that. He was talking about carbon atoms and things like this. What you know is not the sum total. Are you, you're aware of that, right? That if you go to the ocean and you play in the tide pools, you don't understand the ocean. You understand the tide pools. Okay. Maybe. Thank you, Lowell. That's awesome. Okay, number three. God's work in us may not always be fun, but it's always going to be worth it. Now, where do I get that out of this scripture? Eat the scroll, and it'll be sweet in your mouth. Oh, man, sometimes coming in and being forgiven by Christ is one of the most amazing things you can ever ever get to do. You just... Right, You come in, and, and Jesus says, come to me, my burden is light. Do you know what that means? It means that you don't have to figure out how to please God anymore. He's taken that weight off of you. Come to me, my burden is light. But you come, and you do that, and you think, that is so awesome. And then you're, you feel changed, and then God starts talking to you about the need to apologize to some of the people You've done things too, and you go, but I don't want to. That, that he's done a great work in your life, he's forgiven you, and then he's asking you to go and make amends maybe, or be different, or talk to somebody new. Now, I know some of you are not me, whereas I just love talking to new people. Not everybody likes that. You don't have to hold up your hand, but, but the speaking to somebody you don't know kind of fear, kind of causes like a tightness in your stomach and a little fear to go on like that. Are, are you one of those? You don't have to raise your hand. What about, what about this? What if you had a brother or a sister who didn't know Jesus? Would that sort of cause your toes to curl if you had to talk to a sibling? Right? Sometimes God calls us to talk and be changed and then to spread that word with people that we didn't know. By the way, we're inside the kingdom now. We're not lurking in doorways. Right? We're not the cat that wants into the, into the room and scratches on the door and you open the door and they walk in halfway and they stop. That's not who we are. The people of Christ, the people of God, the people of his kingdom, of his pasture, of his life, the people that come to Jesus and they go, Jesus, he's my friend. They don't lurk in the doorway. They come on in and they take this scroll and they put it in there and there they hear some fairly difficult things. It is sweet going down. None of us have ever had a meal at a restaurant that was just yummy but later had indigestion. Sometimes the meal's so good you'd do it again anyway. Yeah? Have you ever thought about that? You cut that steak and and you can see that and there's that point of faith where you can no longer see how good that steak looks but it's because it's going into your mouth and your eyes don't reach in there. And, but, but then your, your body gives you the sense of smell as it goes past there. And you can't see it anymore because it's under your nose. Well, that's just me because I have that big thing. But, but it blocks my eyesight, and I have to trust that it's still good. 
but then maybe there's indigestion later. Look, I'm calling, I'm just saying, but pastor, but pastor, being a Christian is supposed to just make my life wonderful. It makes your life better. But then once we take out that word better, that's a suitcase all full of a whole bunch of things. Just like you're going on vacation, you open your suitcase and you unpack what's in that suitcase. What does better mean? My brother came to Christ early in his life, and he heard the word better, and he thought more cars, more friends, more money, because that was his definition of better. Is that the definition of what coming to Christ means? It isn't that. Now, you might have those things, but maybe you don't. Maybe God fills you up with a house full of kids. (laughs) We have a house full of kids sitting here. Maybe God fills you up with grandkids or or somebody else's kids. Maybe God puts you in a soup kitchen and you cook for 100 every week. But along those roads, look, a house full of kids is not without struggle. One kid in the house can be a struggle. Now, all of you think of my daughter as this smiley person and everything, but man, when she was going off to college, she had us ready for her to go. (laughs) In the same way that when I went off to college, I had my parents ready for me to go. I'm not telling stories. When you have a blessing in your life, it comes with something else. Isn't almost everything a double-edged sword? Well, if you're going to have a better life in Christ, I'm going to tell you this. It may not be fun. It's going to be worth it. Just think about that for a second. What would you do if it was worth it, even if it wasn't fun? If you've got something in your life that you think, I don't want to. I'm not going to. If you think I'm, I'm just sort of laying this on this text... Let me go to Matthew 13, okay? Matthew 13 is the parable of the sower. The sower goes out to sow, and he takes this thing, and he first throws some seed on the path, and then, and nothing, right? The birds come and gobble that up. And then he throws some seed on the, on the rocky soil, and it sprouts right away, but it doesn't make it. And he throws some seed and, and amongst the weeds, and it, that gets choked out. And then he throws some on the good soil. You know what? If I was a farmer, I'm thinking I'm wasting a lot of seed. But the parable in the rocky soil, especially verse 20, 21, 22, talks about this rocky soil. The people take it in with all this excitement. They go, woohoo, Jesus. But because they don't develop the root, when it gets difficult, they fall away. What's the root? Take this book. Take this scroll and eat it. Take this word inside of you and begin to be developed into the person Christ wants you to be. Look, you already admitted you needed help. That's how you got to the Jesus dude. Right? You said, help. I can't do it. 
should it be a surprise then that once he forgives you, you're still a project? You still need help? Are you all done at that moment? I'm just going to come and I'm going to stand in the doorway. I like this example. So you're standing in the doorway. You've accepted Jesus. You've been forgiven, but you're not changed. What kind of example is that? But I tell you, we've got some stuff happening in this town, and it's going to happen, and there is going to be there's going to be a chance for us as a church to be revived in the, in, the, in the life of Christ, for this community to have some revival happen within it. It's coming. I, I, I just feel it. But before it happens, the people of God have to get some things changed. And here it is. Are you ready? Why? Because if God's going to ask you to cause somebody to change... He wants you to be changing too. Why? Well, if you're a car salesman and you love cars, but you're a Chevy salesman and you only drive Fords and everybody knows it, what good, is you, what good are you as a salesman? I'm going to sell you, sell you a car I don't like. That's what an unchanged Christian is like when they start saying, do you know Jesus? You haven't bought the product. If you're going to be calling people to change in their lives, the first question God has for you is, are you willing to change? Are you willing to put that scroll inside you? That's what's going to happen. The very next thing that happens in Revelation is God's witness is heard for for a time. He puts the script. The scroll in there, the very next thing is the witness goes out and starts talking. Put the scroll in you and start to be changed. Maybe you end up talking to somebody you didn't think you had the guts to talk to. Maybe you end up saying something to somebody that you didn't think you had the guts to say. Maybe God calls you to love them so much to say the difficult things. I have a little quote here, and I just want you to know this. This is, a, this is about 100 years old from G.K. Chesterton. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. Christianity has been found difficult and not tried. I'm not telling you being a Christian is going to be easy, that coming to Jesus is all... Uh, sunshine and lollipops. But there will be sunshine and lollipops along the way. But sometimes, and Jesus is not hiding this when he tells the story, when he talks about what's coming, he's not hiding that there's a struggle. Look, the Old Testament doesn't hide it either. The most favorite psalm of 90% of the people that that know Jesus or don't know Jesus or know something about the Bible is Psalm 23. And right in the middle of it is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not hidden. So if you think being a Christian is all 
sunshine and lollipops, peaches and cream, whatever the illusion you are, whatever the illusion you... It can be, but it is always a call to discipleship and change. The book of Revelation, right in this spot, I want you to hear this. You, you, you're saying, how can God make us go through all this? Well, he never promised you weren't going to go through stuff. Only that you wouldn't be alone. And if you disappear from the scene and you're not going through it, how will all those people that don't know Jesus go through it without you there to help and witness and care and tell them that Jesus cares too? So I invite you this week to think on this one thought. Will you take in the scroll and let it do the work in you? You take his word in there and let it do its work. Will you take his word into your life? Let your life be changed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. And in that, we know we're asking you to change us so that we can be available when somebody else needs to be changed. Thank you, Lord. In your precious name, amen.